Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Very special guest on the show today, Phil Steele. He is a legend. If you follow college football, you know who Phil Steele is. You have read his magazine. He puts out the most, and I'll use his word here, jam-packed with information magazine out of all the preseason magazines. And it's not really college football season until you've got a copy of of Phil Steele's magazine in your hands. Phil, I know it's been kind of an ordeal this offseason. What have the past few months been like? Yeah, it has been. There's no doubt about it. In fact, back in March, Andy, I was I was thinking, you know, wow, we're not even going to have a football season. Uh, the, the Ohio shut everything down. You couldn't even have the office open, so I had to close the office for like two months. And I'm like, wow, we're, we're not even going to be putting out a magazine. But I just kept coming to work every day and just kept working on the – on my, uh, the, you know, the write-throughs and getting the things done and update my power ratings and with the hope that it would be there. And then uh, that started changing. And now that I've been talking to the coaches, I mean, everybody's pretty much full bore right now. I'm, you know, I just talked to Coach Fitzgerald at Northwestern. He's all excited that kids are coming back. And uh, so I talked to, I've talked to a little over 100 of the coaches so far, and I'm fired up now. I'm, I'm fully under the belief we're having a football season. Well, that's okay. So let's let's talk about that. When everything shuts down, they cancel the NCAA tournament, and obviously basketball is not your thing. But what are you thinking about from a business perspective when the state of Ohio says you can't open the office? When you know there's nobody on college campuses and and all the football programs are shut down? Yeah, I'm thinking I uh, might just go out of business. If there's no football season, I, I don't have a business. You know, it's I'm, I'm pure football. And, uh, you know, what are we going to do? So there's there a lot of uh, a lot of concerns back in the month of March, especially, like you said, you know, I don't follow any of the other sports. I just follow football. But you notice when all the sports are getting stopped, and then you're like, whoa, if they're stopping those sports, are they going to stop football? So I was uh there's major concerns on my part as to uh what was going to happen with the you know do we even publish a magazine this year will I have a business in the fall will there be football I don't I don't know what's going to happen so major concerns major major concerns at the time and especially when you're coming into an empty office every day for 2 months And and let's describe your operation to everyone cuz I don't think people quite understand the the scope and scale of, of this operation you you've had this going for this will be is twenty five years, twenty six year, yeah, twenty six, twenty six year. Okay, so how many employees do you have now that that are working you know year round? Uh, it's probably down to about ten to fifteen, um, something in that range, and I'd say closer to fifteen uh, year round, and that's that's all we work on is football the whole the whole year. You know, once once football season's done. Uh, and actually, at the end of November, when uh, some teams' seasons are done, we start working on next year's magazine right then and there. Uh, you know, we start going through proofing the stats uh, because seasons are complete for the teams that aren't bowl games. Uh, start doing some first write-throughs for next year's magazine. We do it in a three write-through process where the the first write-through is 
you read through everything that happened this past year and you you write the positions and then the the second write through is in the in the spring uh which of course was shortened this year but you get the freshman signees and and generally it's prior to spring you get all the information for the schools who's coming back you update what was written already because some kids have left they've added some transfers and then the third one is after i talk to the coaches then you do the third right through for the team, which really finalizes everything because the coaches put my two deeps in order and, uh, you know, give me updates and, hey, kid, we got this kid, we lost this kid and things like that. So it's really in a three right through process, but it's, it's a full six-month process to put the magazine out. And you're ca- talking to coaches now. When would you normally finish talking to coaches to get that the, the final version locked in? Uh, probably my last day to talk to coaches in years past since the magazine goes to the press generally. Uh, you know, when Memorial Day is the last weekend of the of May, That's it's generally the week, the day after Memorial Day we send it to the press. Uh, so I have to cut off the coaches' calls the first week of May. Once we get to the first week of May, you know, we can't be scrambling around and changing pages. You know, we have to start getting everything into the final process. So normally the last coaches' calls is that first week of May. I'm just cleaning up the last ones. But this year, since the magazine's not going to the press till July 7th, which ironically is after another holiday, 4th of July, um, we'll be uh, wrapping up the coaches' calls at the end of next week. Well, I pretty much have got most of them done with that I'm going to do. But there's always some stragglers at the end, and uh, I'm always open. I want to I want to get as many in as I can. Now, how excited are these coaches to like? You just talked to Pat Fitzgerald. I, I, Fitz is a great interview. I, I but how pumped is he when he gets to talk to Phil Steele? <laughs> well, I don't know if they're they're pumped, but I mean it's it's. Uh, you know, it's a different type of interview as well. I'm not asking a lot of general questions. I basically send them over my team sheets, and I say, here's what I have on your team, Coach. You know, we'll get a few of the generalities out of the way. Like I told uh, Coach Fitzgerald that I was putting him on my most improved list, so he better make me look good this year. And uh, But uh, overall, we, I said Hard to sheet. be worse than their offense from last year. So they, I think you're you're pretty safe on that. Yeah, they, they will. And a lot of folks don't realize they only gave up 338 yards per game last year. I mean, they had a legitimate top 25 defense, and they got nine starters back on defense. So they're, I, I like I like good defensive teams, and they had really poor quarterback play last year. Uh, I think the, I mean the quarterback play can only improve, but I think Peyton Ramsey stepping in there will be a big plus. Their running backs were so beat up last year. They got they went down. They brought a defensive back over against Illinois to start at running back, and he had 100 yards. So, I mean, they had seven different running backs start last year, and, yeah, they're going to be a much improved offense. And, and defensively, they've got one of the best in the Big Ten. So I'm bullish on them. But anyway, I send them over the, the team sheets, and then I say put my team in order for me. And we talk about the first string quarterback, second, third, fourth. You know, you get to the end of the line, I just want to make sure the kids are on the team. That way we get their name on the page and, and put them in the magazine. Or are they gone? Do you have any transfers? And then we go to the running backs, receivers. Calls usually take about an hour, sometimes a little over an hour. So when you get this done, what, what's the feeling like when, when you get uh, one ready to print? <laughs> I, I got to tell you, it's uh, relief. You know, <laughs> like, uh, like folks are asking me for radio shows, and I'm like, you know, it takes two days for me to decompress right now because <laughs> there's just there's so many 18-hour days packed into those final four weeks, and, and it's just – uh, there's never enough hours in the day, Andy. You know, I, I could, 
it always gets to be the last week of the magazine, and I'm wishing I had another full week where we could tuck everything in and make it perfect, but you just you just can't get that. And uh, but it, it's a sense of relief, you know, when it goes to the press. You're, it's like, and, and then then I get to spend time with my daughter. You know, she's 14 now, so wow. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I it's. Uh, uh, a lot of hours put into the magazine so there's I, I like i really like the months i used to like the months of june and july because they were like my relaxation months just do a bunch of radio shows kick back and you know that's about it but uh this year it'll be july will be a good month so I, you mentioned that you're wondering how the business is going to to keep going and you know when it is a situation like this where you have other products, but this is your big product. This is this is obviously your your biggest money maker. How much fear is there as not just the the guy who runs the business, but you have employees that that obviously you care about, and just what is going through your mind during those months where it's sort of up in the air? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I had the whole staff on unemployment, and you're you're wondering, you know, what what is going to happen. And, uh, yeah, there were major question marks and, um, yeah, I mean, we put out a football magazine, we put out a football newsletter, we put out football things. So if there's no football season, every single thing that I have and sell goes out the door. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, I prepped everybody. I said, you know what, we, we could be headed to the fact that we might be closing the doors here, but, uh, thank goodness we're going to have football this year. It's a completely, I, I have a completely different outlook on, on business and life in general right now than I did two weeks, two months ago. Well, this is when, when I texted you to, to do this, this interview, I, I told you, you know, I was talking to ADs and, and commissioners and all those people during this time, but it wasn't until I saw you tweet that you were putting out an issue that I knew there was going to be college football. So it, it is, it's, it's one of those things. How many people come to you and say, Phil, this is how I mark time. When your magazine comes out, that's when my year starts. Yeah, it, uh, you know, actually a good amount. And, you know, talking to the coaches as well, I get, I, I'll be honest with you, Andy, there are times when you wonder why you're working so many hours. You know what I mean? It, it's uh, six months putting a magazine out, and you wonder, why am I doing this? And and then you get comments like that. Like people say that they set their schedule around it, or the coaches say, hey, I appreciate what you do for college football. And then you're like, you know what? That's why I do it. So, uh a good amount and it it really is uh it's really something that that makes you realize why you're doing the magazine every year how did you decide i want to do this because when you started it there were some very established ones uh, athlon lindy's street and smith's how did you decide i want to get into this business yeah that's a great question i was writing a football newsletter and so i'm a I, I, I very meticulous. I have all the players listed and things like that. And what I would do for my research, I would say, you know, 30 years ago was, uh, buy all the other, buy the magazines that were out there and get, pull as much information from them as I could, but there just wasn't as much as I needed. I need to know who the third string long snapper is for a team for crying out loud. So, uh, you know, I started compiling the information myself and I had them all on my sheets like I normally have. 
And uh, somebody walked in the office and said, you know, you're doing all this work. Why don't you put it into a magazine? And I'm like, eh. And then I worked out a deal with um, Joe DePoplo because nobody could get in the magazine business back then. There was like 30 college football magazines out there, so it was saturated. And Joe DePoplo said, you know, I'll, I'll put you under one of my labels. I'll say it's under like a game plan label. So we put the we put the first one out. It was black and white. It was on newsprint. The type was small. You know, I had some six point type in there, and it was a it was a Phil Steele publication. You know, it wasn't wasn't prettied up in full color and all that stuff. And uh, we put the first one out, and it it went over well. And the people that got it in their hands, you know, they had all the information on every team. So they just came back every year. Once you got somebody to get the magazine in their hands, they had to have it. And so it grew, and then, you know, eventually, I think it was after five years, it went to full color, and then we started doing regional covers and things like that and got into the whole magazine business. And then more and more distributors started dealing with us direct, and and then all of a sudden things just uh, took off. So it was, uh, like I said, the the key for me has been once somebody gets their hands on a copy, they generally have to have it again the next year. Well, it's interesting because I am not one of those people who is married to the idea of hard copy. I, I don't need the hard copy media guides anymore. If you hand me a thumb drive, I'm fine with it. I'll, I'll look it up on the internet. Yours is the only thing I need in the print copy. That, that one I carry with me. I keep it in my backpack when I'm going around because it, it's small enough to carry, but it actually has everything I need in it. And that's what it, I did wonder as, as someone who's kind of a font nerd and all that, when did you, when, when is, when is the type too small? At what point did you say, okay, we, we can't squeeze any more onto a page? Yeah, I, th- I think that happened about the fifth year. And it was, uh, I had, I had all the past histories for every game in there on every magazine. And so we would get to six point type and, and it's just, you know, I had people saying you should sell a magnifying glass with your magazine. So We've we've made it a lot more readable. Uh, we generally try to keep everything at eight point now. You know, eight points the minimum standard, and uh, we try not to go below that in any spot. So it's. Uh, but I tell you, I've I've always said it's like having 130 different media guys rolled into one, and you know, it's uh, that's that I think is probably the and the thing I like about Andy is everything's in the same spot on every page. So when you're flipping through the magazine, if you want to know who the left tackle is for any team, you could close your eyes and point to the spot on the page where that is. And if you want to know uh, who was the leading rusher last year, you know exactly where to look. And you want to know how many yards rushing the team had last year, you know exactly where to look. It's the same spot every page, every team. So the other part of yours, that, and I think this wasn't just the magazine. I think I heard you on the radio years ago. And I had not thought about things this way. You, you know, you, you do get into the the gambling and the point spreads and that sort of thing, which was a little more taboo years ago. Now it's, it, it's something everybody talks about. But I remember you saying something to the tune of a quick and dirty way to determine how well a team might perform is just look at the schedule and figure out how many games Vegas will favor them in. And I hadn't thought about right. it that way before, but it really, it really does work. How much of, of that, the you know, potential point spreads, do you put into your predictions? Because I know you also have some, some analytics and modeling that you do. Yeah, a lot. In fact, on the pages right now, uh, back in February, I did my preliminary power ratings on each team. And then I went through each game and I looked up like the history of the series and read what happened last year and looked at who's got what coming back this year. And I made my favorites and underdogs for the game. So if you look at my magazine pages right now, 
they've got the lines on there for all 12 games, my lines. Uh, now, we take those off when the magazine rolls around, but every time I flip open my magazine right now, which gives us the current version of the pages, I can tell how many games I've got a team favored in and how many I have an underdog in. So I think it's vital, uh, you know, because that's really the key to predicting who's going to do what in a season. I remember, and I'll give you an example, Washington State. Uh, two years ago, Washington State had five home games in Pac-12 play, and they had four road games. And of their four road games, only one team had a winning record. Washington State had a great year two years ago. Well, last year they had five road games in the Pac-12 play, Pac-12 play, and all were against bowl teams. So a much tougher schedule, and you see Washington State's record got a lot weaker. It was based on the schedule. You know, the teams are probably very similar, but they played a lot better schedule. So knowing who's favored, who's the underdog, is really a key when you're doing conference predictions. How much has it changed for you with gambling becoming more mainstream and, and more accepted by everyone? Is it is it that just that people like me who don't gamble know more about it? Or is it that you can put more of that stuff in your publications and, you know, and talk about it more on radio, TV, that sort of thing? Yeah, it's been a big change. Now, I'll tell you this. When, when we started it out uh, 26 years ago, I said I was writing a football newsletter, and the football newsletter had to do with picking games, naturally. So uh, we were loaded with gambling information those first couple of years. Like every angle, like when you looked at the team angles on the page, they were all about, hey, this team is 9-5 against the spread, on the road, on artificial turf, all that stuff. And then what I did is when we started getting a little more mainstream and getting into the full-color pages, I started taking all the gambling information out of those angles. So uh, if you look at a magazine from, let's say, five years ago, you won't find any gambling information there, just straight-up information on the teams. But people still had that thing where, oh, it's a gambling publication. Well, it really wasn't. I mean, there was very little gambling. The only thing we had gambling-wise in there was the spread records, the little box on the page, and then the uh, angles at the very bottom. But after taking those out, and now with it becoming mainstream, I've got people saying, hey, I want gambling information. My state allows gambling on games. I want to have it. So we're actually putting the gambling information back in this year into those angles, and I think that'll that'll help. And, you know, it's something that's interesting as well. You, you sort of want to know how, how teams do as, as a home favorite. You know, are, is there certain teams that are poor as a favorite and good as a dog? I think it, it does well for even someone like yourself that doesn't gamble, just uh, thinking about the uh, how the game's going to play out. Oh, yeah. Well, one stat I had to look up for a story a, a few weeks ago, uh, the, the team that – because somebody had asked me about home field advantage and, and would it make a mm-hmm. difference if there were – no fans or if there were limited fans. And so I said, okay, which team has performed the best against the spread at home over the last, you know, since the playoff started is Navy, right? Navy, not, not known for their home field advantage, but, but Navy is like 5.6 points per game better than the spread at home. And, but you're right. It's really valuable information. And it's funny because when you mentioned a few minutes ago, that you have your own spreads for every game when you're looking at that as you're building the magazine. I kind of want to see those. <laughs> I think a lot of people would. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that would be – it's something I've toyed with, you know, the potential about putting them out. But the problem with that, Andy, is that uh, these are preseason spread lines. Right, and, and they change I as the year goes that, on. 
Right, and my my magazine is read in August, it's read in September, it's read in October, it's read in November. I don't want somebody to be looking at my magazine in November and you know, I didn't realize that you know, Navy was going to lose their starting quarterback to injury and four of their top defensive linemen to injury and I thought they were a much better team prior to the season, but now they're a banged up team and all of a sudden, you know, a game where I would have had them a seven point favorite and I'd have them a seven point dog right now and somebody goes, Oh, well, Steele's got him a seven point favorite in that game. No, I didn't realize they wouldn't be without their quarterback. You understand? Right. <laughs> sort of, sort of like with uh, you know Northwestern last year losing their top seven running backs, or uh, you know I was talking to Coach Hogerson at Houston. They went through a, a you know, De'Aaron King is not their quarterback week seven. Well, I thought De'Aaron King was going to be their quarterback. So sort of makes those uh, lines the second half of the season very iffy because you don't know who's going to play, and especially this year with COVID, you wonder. You know, if somebody's quarterback room gets wiped out, what are you, what are you dealing with? So, you know, we we don't really know what's going to happen this upcoming year, and that's the one thing I. That's probably the one thing that prevents me from putting my preseason lines in the magazine. Did you know that seventy five percent of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc all help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors and no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code STAPLES at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code STAPLES for 25% off your first order. drinkhydrant.com, enter promo code STAPLES. You were doing analytics before it became popular in football. I, the baseball people were, were already into it, but some of the stuff you were doing was pretty far ahead of, of what other people in football were doing. Do you have any stats that over the years you've just come to love? The, the one I, I enjoy, and I don't, I'm, I'm curious to hear how predictive it is for you, but you always have returning offensive line starts. I just, right. I, love the, I love that stat. It, it's, I, I'm just curious about it. Every time, it's it's kind of the first thing I look at when I get a new a new copy of your magazine. But is there one or two that, that through the years you've thought, okay, these are pretty good predictive metrics? Uh, I think one that really stands out to me, and it, yeah, I've, I've always thought about writing a book, Andy, called One Play Away, because there are games where if you just change one play, you know, this team wins and this team loses. And you could go to that specific play and say, look, if this field goal veers to the left or if this field goal veers between the uprights, this team won and this team lost. And uh, so it's close wins, close losses is probably one of my favorite ones because sometimes you get a team that was, you know, minus five net close losses last year, meaning they lost five games that all came down to if you change one play in those five games, they could add five more wins last year. They were a lot better than their final record would indicate. And on the flip side, Maybe you had a fortunate team the previous year that won four or five close games and didn't lose any close games. That's what the net is. You know, it says, 
because if you win two close games and you lose two close games, then it's the same thing. But if it's four and zero, then all of a sudden you've got yourself a, a factor. And so I just think you see teams that are are different record wise than what they really were the previous year, and that's one thing that hones it out. Another one would be uh, conference yards per game versus record. You know, I, I think you get a team that maybe has was plus 50 yards per game in conference play but had a losing record the previous year they're undervalued the next year so yeah you're right the first article it was was in the first magazine it was turnovers equals turnaround and that thing is like 80% gold every year if you had minus double digit turnovers last year you're going to have a better record this year and if you had positive double digit turnovers last year you're going to have a weaker record this year and it happens 80% of the time Florida Atlantic from 2018 to 2019 yeah, and it's it's something that that was the first one I put out, and it was based on three years of research. Now all the stuff I have in the magazine is based on twenty nine years of research. So I've got everything done, and I'm a naturally I'm a numbers guy. I'm a computer guy. I got you know all these formulas and things in there. So I'm I'm always looking and trying to uncover a different. Uh, a different thing every year for the magazine. So what's your game day setup look like now? Because I know you had the 12 TV set up. Is it still 12? Did, have you have you gotten them bigger? Obviously, no, two, the tube TVs are out. Now, now you got flat screen. So how, how does that work? Yeah, it's still 12. Uh, I, I'm more of a, I want to see the games as opposed to I need to see the games huge. <laughs> so uh, I've, got, I've got 12 games in front of me. And frankly, you know, now... You know, Andy, I'd say 10 years ago, you're scratching to get 12 games on, but now practically every game's televised. So there may be times in the day where I'm like, oh, shoot, there's three games I can't watch right now because I only have 12 TVs. So I may have to expand this to 15 pretty soon. But it's, uh, it, it keeps you motivated. It's just, it's, it, you're, I'm just sitting here in my office. And I have the TVs. I'm staring at them right now from my desk, and they're. Uh, it's just something where you just sit here all day Saturday and watch 12 games and try to, you know, don't interrupt Phil when I'm watching my games because I'm trying to take everything in. How many Mountain Dews are you drinking on those days? <laughs> I'm trying to cut down on it, but to be honest with you, during football, it's it's probably still 8 to 10 a day at least. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I need to cut down on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all have our vices. I, I, my, I have bacon, <laughs> you have Mountain Dew, it's fine. But... That is a that is a lot though. It, so when you read these stories about these coaches that the down you know ten Red Bulls that doesn't phase you. you you've got no. you've got that under control. Yeah, there's there's times on a Saturday during football where now it's you know ten o'clock at night and you got to stay up till the end of that Hawaii game. You know you're like I need a little something more, even though you're you're pretty fired up generally. You know because you got all that stuff going on in front of you. But uh, yeah, there there are times where even have to go a little bit more. So you, you mentioned earlier talking about distribution and, and getting into the magazine business. This year obviously is a strange one because you had to change all of your deadlines, release date, everything. How did that affect distribution for you? Uh, I believe it affected, affected it positively for me. Uh, we've been dealing with uh, a major distributor, and we generally print 150,000 magazines and send them out. And, uh, you know, they have to go on a truck, and they have to go to all these newsstands. And then uh, you you get people calling and saying, hey, you say you're on every Walgreens, but you're not at my Walgreens. And I really have no control over that whole distribution thing. And, and that's something that really bothers me is not having the control of it. Or, you know, it, if I say it's here, I want it to be there. 
And so we were planning on not even distributing them the newsstands this year. And then uh, Barnes & Noble actually contacted us and said, we, we want the magazine this year. And so we worked out a great deal. I believe it will be in every Barnes & Noble. And uh, I'm actually thrilled with the distribution this year. And I, I think it's going to be better. We'll have a lot less out there. But I, I really think I'm, I'm greatly appreciative of Barnes & Noble and doing it, and we, we probably are going to get a little side deal with Books a Million, but those are the only two. I want to make it exclusive. I want to have smaller printed version, and I think they'll they'll sell pretty good at both spots. So, for people who want it, how would they get it if they're not going to get it from from one of those places? Uh, through through philsteel.com would be the other place to get it. Those are really the only three areas to get it. So it won't be out at the. You know, it won't be at every mom and pop store out there. It won't be every little thing uh, that it, it has been in the past. It'll be at Barnes and Noble. It'll be at Books a Million, or you go to PhilSteel dot com. But that's that's it for this year. And we did print less. You know, I'm, I'm not planning on doing one hundred fifty thousand, but I, I think the the hardcore Phil Steel people will come and and get their magazines this year. Well, that that's what I'm wondering because that's a that's a tough decision to go from it being an impulse buy near the register to. You have to go seek it out, and but do you feel like you've built enough of a loyal following that you got people who will go seek it out? Yes, <laughs> I, I think that's the one. The, the one thing that makes me very confident about this year is that, like I said, I feel once you've had the magazine in your hand, you're going to need to get it the next year. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's something where once you've had all that information and the quick ref, I mean, it's it, it, everybody talks about the internet, Andy, as being the quickest, easiest reference tool out there. I really think my magazine's quicker than the internet. Like if I asked you ten football questions, and like I said, you know exactly where to look in the magazine. By the time you went to the individual websites for the school, and they're all set up differently, and found exactly where to look, and click, 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 you're probably 10 clicks away from finding the information, whereas my magazine, you flip to the page, point your finger, there's your answer right there. Well, I, I, so I, I feel I uniquely the, qualified to answer this question, Phil. You're, you're exactly right. <laughs> you're 100% <laughs> correct. Uh, you know, if I, if I had this year's issue in front of me, and you asked me to find, you know, the, the starting, or the second string right guards at, at 10 different schools, I would guarantee that I would find it faster using your magazine than I would on the internet. Yeah, like like 10 times faster because <laughs> you know exactly where to look. And so uh, I, I really think that the, the, the Phil, Steele, Phil Steele people that have bought the magazine in the past will, want it, will find a way to get their hands on it this year. And, you know, Barnes & Noble is a great location. So it's, uh, you know, it's... I, it's uh, I think it's a, a good good match there. So, what teams are we undervaluing this year? Who who should we be thinking about more that that maybe last year did not have the year we thought that have you mentioned Northwestern? Are there any in other leagues that are that are similar to that story? Yeah, there definitely are teams. Um, I am still in the process right now. We're uh, three weeks out from the magazine being done. So as of today, like today, for example, I'm working on the wide receivers, and it's a third write-through process. I've talked to the coaches. I read what I've written on the wide receivers. I look at my up-downs. I grade the position. I compare it to every other wide receiver position in the conference, grade out the conference. And then what I'm going to do, Andy, is after I have gone through, excuse me, after I've gone through all 10 uh, positions, then I throw everything into my computer one last time, play the seasons out. I have a formula which you know takes 
seven different sets of power ratings and plays a season out. Then I could tell you my surprise teams and, and most improved teams. I just knew with Northwestern they'd be a most improved team this year because, I mean, they were 15-1 and one in the Big Ten the previous, you know, heading into last year. And then just everything that could go wrong went wrong. And, and I love other teams with good defense. So I, I knew they'd be on the most improved list, but I don't have the list finalized right now. I'll have it finalized in three weeks. Who, who are the coaches you've most enjoyed talking to this year? Pretty much all of them. I mean, they're they're all good guys, you know. And they, everybody's legit with you. Uh, you know, they they take the time, they go over the team, which I greatly thankful for. And uh, uh, you know, we we spend, like I said, most most coaches are an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, and we just go over every player in the team. And uh, I find them all enjoyable. I, I don't want to hold favorites. <laughs> well, you, you do need to be political about this here. You don't want some guy saying, well, you said this guy was my favorite. So I'm not talking to you. I'm only giving you 45 minutes this year, Phil. So, but what, when did that start? When, when did they start taking your calls? Uh, I'm going to say it was about 10 years ago. Something in that. Now, all the years run together in my head, Andy. So, you know, ten. sometimes my 10 years are... 15 years sometimes my 10 years or five years I'm not sure but I'm going to say let's say 10 years ago maybe even a little bit more than that I think the first time I went to a I went to a Mac Media Days and they set it up where I could talk to every head coach and I was like oh okay this is this is pretty good and then we just you know started doing phone interviews after that and then it's it's gotten more and more I remember you know five years ago maybe I only interviewed maybe 70 coaches now it's up to over 100 and uh, you know naturally schedules are to the point where you know, I'll book an hour, and then it's tough for a coach to book an hour, and then you have to line it up, and, hey, how about 4 o'clock? Well, he's got another coach at 4 o'clock. Or, hey, how about this time? No, he's got a meeting with his team at that time. So, you know, lining up schedules is tough as well. But I would say about 10 years ago to answer your question. How much did that help in terms of what you were writing, the information? Because, you know, you have you had the analytics already. You had, you know, you chart every game. What did having the coach's input add to it? Uh, the the main thing I like is it uh, it puts my three deep in order at the page because there are guys that you know uh, move. I mean, and the coaches know players are going to move and stuff like that. So I mean, my three deeps are I feel they're really really accurate as far as uh, players being on the right spots on the right team. In fact, after I talk to every coach, I've got arrows all over my page. You know, I send them what I have and then they're like, move this guy here, move this guy here. So I'm, I'm moving players all, well, I'm not moving players, the staff's moving players, but <laughs> you get the drift, but I've got arrows all over my page. So I think that's one thing that it, it really helps on. And then you learn a little bit about the players as well, because the coaches, you know, they'll tell you legitimately what about the players and uh, I think it, it helps you see the, the new guys that are going to emerge this year. I love it when you're talking to a coach and he gets through the first two players of the position and all of a sudden is, he just lights up and starts talking about the third string. And you're like, hmm, I think this guy's going to move up a little oh, bit. Yeah, that, so the that, coach may tell you to – That's great. When is it? Now this guy, because that's how it yeah. always starts. Now this guy. And, right. and, and you're right. It's the, they, are, they are letting you in on the secret of the guy that they know is going to be the one. Right. And they'll tell you to list the three deep in a certain way, but sometimes after the conversation, you'll list them in your own way because it's, it's Phil Steele's magazine. It's not, 
you know, the coaches magazine. And so if their players ever say, well, why is, why has he got that listed? It's just, you know, my personal take on it. But yeah, I love getting that type of information from it, from the coaches. I think that's huge. And then also at the end of the year, Andy, I'm on every award committee out there and we'll be having our award committee calls and, you know, like, uh, Hey, wow, this team's got a, a two strong linebackers. Who do you think's better? I'll text the coach. I'll say, Hey, you know, who, who do you grade better on this position? And then they, they get right back to me, and it really helps out in the award committees at the end of the year. The Joe Moore Award, for example, I'm the um, – Best award in college I'm football. Really, I love it. I love it. And, you know, I'm so honored because it's all – the guys on the award committee are all ex-offensive linemen or ex-offensive line coaches. And then, then there's me. They allowed me into the room. And it, I'm sort of honored to be on the, the committee – and what I'll do is I'll reach out to all the coaches prior to the call, and I'll say, who's the best offensive line you face? And I get that input and their take on the offensive lines. And I feel I have to earn my worth on this team because I, I never played offensive line, believe it or not. So it's uh, – and uh, that really helps at the end of the year as well. You, you never played at all, did you? No, 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 did not play college. Did, did you play in high school? Uh, a little bit in high school, but, yeah, that was not a uh, – I'm what the the coaches would have said. Hey, he's a hard worker. He's a good kid. <laughs> you know what I mean, Andy? <laughs> well, yeah. Trust me, I got a lot of that. There was not a lot of ability. So, but but I, I'm curious because the the hard worker part obviously has been what has created this entire career for you. Did it ever feel like work? Because you put in pretty maniacal hours. I mean, these these coaches you talk to really don't have anything on you in terms of putting in hours. So is it, is it still a labor of love after all these years? Very much so. Yeah. It's, um, uh, well, I think, I think first of all, I'm a workaholic. It must be one of the the genes that I have. So, you know, if I'm, I want to be doing something and if, (laughs) you know, the work is, uh, but yeah, it is clearly a labor of love. I mean, to, to be able to work on football and call that work, that's, that's a pretty good deal. Indeed, it is. So I, I got to ask, you know, we go back three months, things are very much in doubt. You've this is your twenty sixth one of these. Is this one going to be more special than the other ones when it when it comes off the press when you actually have a copy in your hands? Uh, uh they're all pretty special. Sort of like talking to the coaches, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> You can't you can't pick I, a favorite I, kid. You can't pick a favorite issue. Yeah, you know, every year when I, every year is such a uh, sense of accomplishment and relief on that last day of the magazine going out, and you just love to see it on the newsstand. And you know, that first one was was pretty special. The second one was pretty special. So I, I think it is going to be special. I, I tell you what, though, my entire attitude has greatly changed the last two months. There's three months, or what is it? March, April, May, June. Three months. Uh, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. The the 180 that we've done, and as far as uh, this upcoming year goes. So in that case, it'll be special. But I do think it'll be one out of my 26 magazines. When did you make that final decision? Okay, we're doing an issue, and what was the the impetus for it? What what was there one particular piece of data, or or was it uh, a couple things that that you saw or talk talk to people that made you decide okay we're going to go ahead and do this um 
I would think it's been the, you know, naturally every morning I watch ESPN and, and, and try to figure out the what the take is of everybody and what's going on in the country. I think the fact that, you know, we had already invested four months into the magazine and then I kept working those two months and, and, and put it all into the magazine and had the, the data. We were about 85% done with the magazine. Naturally, all the, the great details still needed to be finalized, probably 80% done. And uh, I think that as I got, as I just started getting more confidence that we were going to play football this year. And I'm not sure what the exact date was, but then I was like, you know what? We put all this work into it. I really believe there's going to be a football season. Let's go ahead and do it. And then I made it official at that point. But I, you know what? I don't even, like I said, the days all run together in my mind. So I'm not even sure when that was. So just making sure go to philsteel.com, you go to Barnes and Noble. When can we see it? When, when, when are we going to have it in our hot little hands? I am hoping, and, and I just sent an email off to our printer today, that uh, they turn it around in a week, and we actually get it back at our offices like July 15th. And if we can get it back in the offices July 15th, we'll be putting it in the mail that day, you know, for everybody that pre-ordered the magazine. Now, Barnes & Noble says that they're anticipating July 24th. So, you know, you could go to Barnes & Noble July 24th, Books a Million July 24th. Uh, if you order it through the office, hopefully you get it a week earlier because we do send it out priority mail through the post office. That's, that's what you need to know. New Year's Day for all of us is going to be around July 17th. That's, that, that's what you need to know because, of course, you're ordering it direct. Of course, you're not waiting until it shows up in the store. So, Phil, thank you so much. Thank you for the moment this this you know during this lockdown that that gave us all confidence hey this could really happen because if phil's making a magazine there's gonna be a football season so thank you for that (laughs) i appreciate that andy and i I love reading your stuff all the time and uh always enjoy when we get together and uh, do radio shows and things like that during the season absolutely and and we're gonna have to do this more often because you know that's one thing phil during the season and phil on these awards calls there is a lot of good info. It is still, as you would say, Phil, jam-packed with info. <laughs> it does not stop with the preseason magazine. So, yeah, if you don't mind, I would love to have you back once the season gets rolling and we can talk about you know, where, where your predictions were and, and then where you feel like teams are at that time. So uh, if, if you've got a few minutes, I'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. That'd be great. All right, Phil Steele, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, a lot of fun, Andy. And uh, now it's back to the grind. I got three weeks to get this thing out. You can, if you want to proofread, come on to the offices. <laughs> I might do that. I might need to do that. Uh, you know, I was a copy editor briefly in college before, you know, just going into writing. So uh, I can still spot I the dust, occasional. I got a desk set up for you, and you'll get to read the magazine early. Ooh, like this. I need, I kind of need that. You you got to understand. You give me story ideas. You know, I, I'm going through your all America teams and your all conference teams, and I'm like, okay, all right, who's the third team all conference guard? And I'm going to look at okay, what's his story? Because I'm looking for good players with good stories, but sometimes I don't know, you know, how deep the roster goes in some of these teams. So that's where I need your help, and so I'm I'm ready for it. But I I think. We can we can probably work that out. I, I you got a you got a tight deadline here, and I like tight deadlines. So, I will uh, I will see you soon. All right, 
sounds good. I'll be looking out the window for you, Andy. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. Got an interesting topic on Friday. We talked about this whole name, image, and likeness thing and players being able to make money, cutting side deals, doing advertisements, that sort of thing. And some of the schools have been on board and some have been a little standoffish. One school that is very much on board is Tulane. Tulane is actually going to have its athletic department partner with its Institute for Sport, which is a kind of multidisciplinary degree track program that that brings people in from medical school, from the law school. It's a really interesting program that they've got going for their athletes because they want to help them maximize their brands, to maximize their earning potential. Now, they can't make any deals for them, but they can teach them, give them the tools, and the athletic director, Troy Dannon, thinks this is going to be good practical education for those guys. We talked to Troy Dannon and Gabe Feldman, one of their law professors, about what that program is going to be like and what those players are going to be learning. That's on Friday. We'll talk to you then.